He is the New Zealand First leader. His name is Winston Peters. Winston, where does New Zealand First sit on these Hiwaka Ekanoa recommendations to the government? And I say this because it's becoming increasingly obvious to me that we're in a food crisis and the last thing the government should be doing is hobbling the primary sector and food production. Well, look, this is two years into a five-year programme and it started out with the consultation being very, very good between growers and farmers and, and the governments and department, uh, primary production whatsoever. It started off pretty well, but now it's starting to get really concerning because, as you say, we are, the world's facing a food crisis. Hundreds of millions of people will die unless we can open up the granaries of uh, Ukraine right here, right now. And at this point in time, our food supply is also critical. It has brought us through the COVID years, and all of a sudden uh, it could all go horribly wrong. So um, it's a watch of space, and it's very concerning. No other country has bought their agricultural sector into any form of carbon taxation as yet. Admittedly, you know, uh, no other country has as high a percentage of uh, ruminant uh, greenhouse gas emissions as us, and I get all that, but is now the time to be doing it? Well, the reality is that if you are looking to the science and, and if you put the investment into the science, then the farming community, uh, the agrarian community can go a long way very, very quickly. But they've got to be taken along in circumstances where they remain the key, a key exporter for this country. If we damage this export capacity, this country will quickly go broke, and it's going broke now. All right, let's move on. You're taking Trevor Mallard to court, and I say, good on you, Winston Peters. Well, when he prosecuted, uh, uh, he, he sent trespass notices to me and uh, other people. Uh, I looked at it, and this is two weeks, uh, two months after I'd been there on the 22nd of February, two months later. And uh, the implication was that I was a threat to the security of Parliament. I said to him, I'm going to take you, I'm going to have this uh, in, in a court. In three hours, he withdrew that, but he didn't withdrew the, didn't withdraw the logic. He still maintained... It, it was a serious threat, but the threat was no longer there. And so two weeks ago, I began communications with him. He wouldn't answer the communications, and we said, well, show us your lawyer, and uh, we started with them. And he's been dicing around, dumping around, making all sorts of statements when they're not true, and I decided, I've had enough. We're going to pursue this matter right here and right now, and I gave my lawyer's instruction yesterday to issue proceedings. You've been in Parliament a long time. Is he? Was he... Was he? Is he the most ill-equipped speaker that you've been involved with? <laughs> there have been some seriously ill-equipped ones. Uh, there have been people who have you know, kicked 54 members out of Parliament. Then you had uh, a speaker, uh, Kerry Burke, who was the best by miles, in my, my view, because he never booted out one person. If you've got the skills to reason with people, they will behave themselves. But if you're being unreasonable, you'll get all sorts of things going wrong. So there's been a number of who, in my view, have not been fit for the job, but his performance of late has been appalling, and it's no prescription to say oh, he wishes to move on and take a diplomatic post. Why should that insult happen to the diplomatic service, to our foreign affairs, and indeed this country's reputation? Let me just go back. He sprayed water on young children in the middle of the night. He played music against the law, uh, noise abatement laws of this country. But prior to that, and the cost of hundreds of thousands of dollars to the Zealand taxpayers, he said there was a male rapist in Parliament. At that time, I was so offended by that, I said to him, you've got to now to get a course here and change that, because we're not going to put up with all of us being um, impugned as a potential rapist. And one 
of the people he talked about, took them to court, and for hundreds of thousands of dollars, never disclosed to the public, uh, he had to pay him out. And here he is, with that background, being now touted by the Prime Minister as fit to go offshore. Now, my point to the Prime Minister is, Prime Minister, you had to know about my correspondence with him, because if you didn't, then he didn't inform you he's not fit to be appointed. And if he did, then you're not telling the public the truth. You're involved in a cover-up. Let's finish on Paddy Gower on booze. Did you see the program last night? No, I didn't. Well, the inference was that he went for a night out on the town with you on whiskey and you sewed him up. Well, that inference is deceitful if that was the case. Uh, I've already been asked one of the journalists this morning, to my surprise, and I said to um, saying to you that we had had a long day, uh, that is, four hours, maybe 18 hours, and we decided to go and have a drink, finish the night off. He gate-crashed it, and he was, also, he, was, he was already plastered by then. So that is totally untrue. So you've never sewn anyone up on the whiskey? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> I'm not sure I believe that, Winston Peters, but I won't argue with you. Thank you very well, much. You don't, you, don't, you don't sew other people up. They sew themselves up. Exactly. My late father used to say, if you drink like a man, you've got to work like a man the next day. Winston Peters, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Cheers.